Welcome, welcome. This is Women of Strength Wednesday, and you are tuned into the VBAC Link podcast with Julie and Megan and our special guest, Lindsay, today. And we were actually just chit-chatting a little bit before we pressed record about different providers and how they influence birth outcomes. And sometimes you'll have a provider who is a little, who is surprisingly more supportive than you would expect them to be and vice versa, right? So we are going to talk about that and all the different parts of Lindsay's story in a little bit. Before we do that, though, Megan has a review of the week for us. Yes, I do. And this is from Rock, 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 Frey. And it says, getting VBAC ready. This podcast has been inspiring and motivational to me as I prepare for a VBAC with my fourth baby. Listening to each of these stories and realizing that through listening, I am learning how to advocate for myself and my family has been a true blessing. Thank you. And I just want to say thank you to Rock Frey for sharing your review. Julie and I, we say it all the time. We love your reviews. We truly mean it. So, and honestly, we're running out of some reviews because we haven't been recording for so long. Um, We haven't had a ton of reviews here coming in. And so we would love some new, fresh reviews so we can read them on the future podcasts. You never know. Maybe next week we'll read yours. (laughs) I love it. I always remember that time when somebody was a review of the week and they post on their Instagram and well, I guess it's happened a couple of times, but it just makes me happy uh, getting reviews and reading them and letting us, everyone letting us know how we've been helping you. So thank you. Thank you. It means a lot to us. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link podcast with Julie Frankham and Megan Heaton, VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. All right, let's get to it. We have Lindsay with us today. Lindsay's an advertising account director and a mom of two. She loves being a mom and thinks bringing a baby Earthside is one of the most surreal experiences that we have as mothers. Childbirth is the best lesson a mother can experience, she says. A lot's out of our control, so plan for the worst and hope for the best. Do you know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of when I was in the military. <laughs> plan for the worst. Hope for the best, because I don't know if anybody out there listening is um, in the military or military spouse or has ever been in the military, but you know that whenever things can go wrong, if there's possibility, then it probably will go wrong. (laughs) So you've got to just kind of expect not very much, but hope for great things. So this just reminded me of that when I was just reading your bio, Lindsay, but I like that sentiment because you can prepare for all of the things, right? You can prepare for all the outcomes, but always hope for and even expect the best outcomes as well. So I love that. But Lindsay, um, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit more and share your story with us? Awesome. Thanks so much, Julie. So I'll start with my pregnancy and then birth of my son, which was my first C-section. So it took us a while to get pregnant with my son. We thought that it was going to be quite simple and it turns out it wasn't. And so with a little bit of help from a fertility specialist, we successfully got pregnant. We were so excited and he recommended that we be handed over to the care of midwives. I had a low risk pregnancy. I was in great shape, healthy, you know, a strong BMI. And so he felt like this would be the best care provider for what I needed. And then also you know, my style, he loved that and recommended that we have someone who would be really guiding throughout. He also recommended that I ask them about home birth, which was probably um, unexpected for most coming from more of a traditional Western medicine perspective. So we started on with the midwives, we loved them instantly. And home birth was brought up pretty early on. And so we had planned for a home birth. And in this, my biggest learning was that we really focused on the home birth and the realities of a home birth. And we didn't necessarily talk about labor preparation. 
so I had read Ina May Gaskin's Guide to Childbirth, and I had chatted with friends who had gone through labor, especially natural labor and delivery. And so I felt like I was prepared enough until I was 40 weeks pregnant, 40 weeks, four days exactly, and my water broke. So it was the slow leak. Uh, we confirmed that it I uh, amniotic sac rupture. So I was like slowly leaking fluid, but I wasn't under stress and the baby, baby's heart rate was fine. And so we made a little bit of a plan. If I hadn't gone into labor in 24 hours, then I would go into the hospital and we would do an induction. And if I did go into labor naturally, then I would, you know, continue on with a planned home birth. So we went home with this strict direction to just like enjoy each other's company, try to wind down. It was really hitting home that this was like our last moment where we would have just the two of us and our dog in this house. And so we were anxious, excited, nervous. And that was when I started feeling like the, oh my God, I wonder what labor feels like. 9.30 p.m. I had my first contraction and it was a very like traditional wave so I felt the build I felt the release I you know went through the motions I was like okay I can handle this and then quickly let my husband know like okay so labor is starting my mom was coming over and we were prepared for what was about to come I gave both of them like the call sheet for the midwives and the you know we went over the birth plan and we're feeling good and within an hour, I had all back labor, no break between contractions, really nauseous, and something just didn't feel right. And so I, you know, kept saying to my husband and my mom, like, we need to call the midwives, we need to call the midwives. And they were just calm and steady, like, Lindsay, you're doing great. It's okay. And at that point, my mom said, I think you're having back labor mm-hmm. based on the fact that you don't have any breaks. And you're, it's just back to back. I had been given the instruction to not go in water. And so for me, that meant like, I shouldn't even be standing in a shower. And so I was a very cautious first time laborer. (laughs) And they, you know, after some like pretty frantic, like call the midwives, call the midwives, my mom and husband, in fact, call, call their midwives and we agreed to do a home visit. So they were going to come and check on me and likely transfer me to hospital just because I was having a hard time managing the pain. Mm -hmm. And so my midwife came over, checked me. I was only about five centimeters dilated. I was having a really hard time managing the pain. And, you know, it just goes back to like total unpreparedness. Like I had read one book and done, had some conversations, but I don't think I necessarily understood the different ways that labor can feel the the thought of it being exclusively in my back was such a foreign concept to me and really unbearable. So we drove to the hospital, which is less than five minutes away. My husband asking me on the way there, like, you're going to do up your seatbelt, right? Like I can barely sit down. I'm not concerned about my seatbelt. So we get to the hospital in the wee hours of the morning. It's about 3 a.m. And we're waiting now for an epidural. And so I'm laboring and very vocal in a lot of discomfort, still like a little bit unsure of like what it, if this is normal, what I'm feeling and not being provided with a lot of reassurance that I'm doing great and this is normal. And so now at this point, I'm like a little bit panicked. Like this is a foreign feeling. I don't know what's going on. I feel totally unheard. And I also feel voiceless. I'm asking questions and I just feel like I'm not really being given reassurance and direction. And so, of course, my husband being a first time dad and first time witnessing labor is also like a little bit of a deer in a headlights. Like, what is happening and is my wife okay? And is this normal? And so, an hour in, we start asking, like, where's the epidural? Where's the anesthesiologist? We need some sort of pain meds. And my approach was like epidural or bust. So I don't want to take fentanyl or laughing gas unnecessarily. I would rather just like go for the good stuff and get the epidural. I don't tolerate pain medication well. And so I was 
apprehensive about the effects that it would have on me, but also recognized that I was feeling like it was like an out-of-body experience. Like I just couldn't handle this. I did not have confidence in myself. So around 4.30, I asked for, it was like one of those light bulb moments where I'm like, right, my massage therapist said, if I feel back labor, ask for the bee stings, which is sterile water injections in my low back. Uh, Yes. (laughs) And so it was the first time I was able to like really advocate for myself in labor. And I'm like, can I get sterile water injections? Like I'll take the bee stings, which are definitely a little bit more aggressive than a bee sting, unless I've just been stung by really lightweight bees in the past. (laughs) But I got the sterile water injection and instantly felt relief. And at that moment, I'm like, man, like I can handle this. Like I feel really good about now I started to feel like proper contractions, a proper wave it's itching, inching closer to five. And so at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm handling this well. And I suddenly felt the urge to bear down. And so I went to the washroom and as I'm sitting, I'm like, it feels like I have to poop. And so uh, my midwife, I'm like vocalizing this. She's like, okay, let's give you a quick check. And so at that point, she's like, listen, the anesthesiologist is about to walk in. She gave me a check and I was eight centimeters. And so she said like this, you're kind of at the cusp. And so like you either get it right now, you get the epidural now, or you don't get it at all. And I was like, just blindly looking at her for like advice and guidance. And I was like, I guess I I think I should get it. And she's like, I think that's a good decision. I got the, the epidural and I felt relief but going back to like preparedness and not feeling heard at that point being prepared like I was not prepared for an epidural and so as I'm leaning over my husband he in turn was also not prepared and he's like I may pass out that is a very large needle (laughs) and I'm like just stick it in me I need to feel some sort of relief and then as soon as the you know effects of the epidural kicked in suddenly I felt like there's no turning back. I've just made a horrible decision and maybe I was handling labor okay and I was starting to feel like some relief and I had I was just about on the cusp of transition because as soon as I had the epidural I had like the hormone shakes and the sweats and so I had I was transitioning naturally anyways. And so like the mo- the feeling of defeat was really sinking in. So at 5:30 and the direction was rest you need to sleep and we're just going to flip you on a peanut ball side to side. So every 30 minutes, my husband and my, my, my midwife would wake me up, flip me. And it was just like side to side with the peanut ball until about 7am. At that point, I'm 10 centimeters dilated and they decided to just like, let me continue resting. I like felt nothing. So I didn't feel the urge to push. And then they said like around 10, 11, we'll like check, check in and like you can start pushing at that point. So that point they come in and say, okay, you can start pushing. And like, the sorry, the piece that I missed in this was my mom and dad had come to the hospital to give my husband some relief so that he could go and have like a coffee and a bite to eat. Because keep in mind, we weren't planning for a hospital birth. And so we were really not prepared. We had a small hospital bag packed and like that was about it. My dad is asking my my midwife team, like, what if she can't push this baby out? What, like, and he's kind of leading the horse, like, is what's going on? Is there something happening with her, with the baby? What's the next step? And they're like, no, no, she's had an epidural. Even if this baby is in a bad position, she can push it out. And this is the first Hmm. moment where I heard the baby was in a bad position. Yeah, no one said anything. No one said anything. And like, I didn't realize that my water breaking early was likely due to an OP baby. And again, like it was just a gap in communication and something that was not, I wasn't aware of. And so my, my dad keeps asking like, but what if the baby's turned a little bit? Or what if the baby is, is OP? Like, nope, nope. She's had an epidural. She can push this baby out. Okay. So We've now gone from home birth to hospital to feeling like really in the dark, really unclear about what's happening. 
I have this epidural that I've like, am deeply regretting at this point, but there's no turning back and it's time to start pushing. And I feel absolutely nothing. And so I push for a couple hours, no headway is being made. And at this point, there's a change in midwife and the midwife team. And so I'm with a different midwife. And she said, I'm just going to step out of the room. Looking to my husband and I, when you see a contraction on the monitor, continue to push, continue to breathe through it, and I'll be back. And about 15, 20 minutes later, which felt like a lot longer, she came back with the OBGYN on call. And he, in a very flat and direct way, said, you're spiking a fever, the baby's heart rate is dipping, and your heart rate is dropping. And I have incredibly low blood pressure to begin with. So he said, these three factors coupled with the likelihood that your baby is OP, we're bringing you in for a C-section. And I was absolutely gutted. Was it like, hey, this is why I think a C-section is needed? Or it's like, this is what we are doing. You have no like, did you feel like you had an option or was it like, yeah, you know so like, I mean? <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. My, so I'm sure you can see like two first time parents who have gone from like a home birth to now being in a hospital to suddenly being told they're mm-hmm. having a C-section, which we knew absolutely nothing about other than it was a major abdominal surgery. Yeah. And so I'm sobbing saying, can we turn off the epidural? Can we bring down bring down the epidural even a little bit can it like rip it out of my veins <laughs> I've, I've like no concept of how it works right uh-huh. and my husband is saying like can she just push for like another 30 minutes and very flat he was just like no you are getting like the, the difference in time is five minutes to talk about it now and to open you up in here versus bringing you into the OR oh. and so like, again, my husband and I were just like looking at him. There was really no other option that was presented to us. At least we are grasping at straws. And he just, again, like reiterated very calmly, you know, I, I understand that this is not what you wanted, but we need to get this baby out now. And so they bring us to the OR. My husband is a wreck we haven't been prepped for this procedure. So he's waiting as I'm like signing forms and the amazing nurse is wiping my tears so that I can somewhat sign blindly. It's about two-ish and we get in the afternoon, we get into the OR, like we had gone from like a dark room with no windows and like little candles everywhere to this stark, sterile, bright lit environment. And a different anesthesiologist came in and the energy was like so nonchalant in comparison to the fear and grief that my husband and I were feeling. The anesthesiologist was phenomenal. He spoke to us throughout the entire c-section at every stage you know he reassured us off the top by saying my wife has had two c-sections beyond seeing this through my job on a day-to-day basis I I know exactly what's going to happen and so I'll talk you through this and so he talked us through it he held my shoulder my husband held my hand and by this point I maxed out on my epidural I'm starting I can feel my left side and it was really traumatic beyond just the flow of how the birth went, but also being in this very sterile environment and feeling a lot of what's happening. But again, he was just like, the anesthesiologist was so wonderful and like coaching us through it. And really, I'm sure he could sense our fear. My like sweet little boy came out, was put to my face and I turned and I was like, I think I'm going to throw up. I'm super nauseous. And I'm out of it at this point. I wanted to name my son Benjamin, which was not a name that my husband and I had discussed. And the anesthesiologist said, this is no longer something that you have to feel and gave me a good shot shot of a fentanyl and gravel to really knock me out. And so three hours later, I woke up to my husband doing skin to my son, Miles, not Benjamin. And even from there, 
you know, I was just so, I was confused, disoriented, and a lot of pain and discomfort, wanting to nurse. I, breastfeeding was really important to me, really wanting to bring him for a first latch. And even from, from there, trying to latch my son and like not being able to like sit up and bring him to chest and just have a midwife like take my breast and shove it in my baby's face. It just felt, I felt like I didn't matter which I think was the furthest thing from the intention. It was rather just, we need to, we need yeah. to get this done. Yeah. Um, but still, I feel like such a lack of, yeah, including you and everything. It's just like things are being done to you versus with you. And so I could see how you were feeling that. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. So we ended up having two days in the hospital and really focused on nursing and controlling what I can, could, could control. So making sure that I was walking as quickly as I possibly could. And we were, um, we really focused on breastfeeding and getting my son on like a two, every two hours nursing him on top of on demand, um, focusing on letting him get that like long stretch of sleep at night. So that's where I started to excel as a mom and really stepped into my own. But I carried a lot of trauma and grief from that birth. And there were many nights, like I remember the first night being at home, laying in bed, my son was fussing and my husband was walking at the end of the bed back and forth with him on his chest. And I was just sobbing saying like, you don't realize how lucky you are. All I want to do is get up and walk my son back and forth. This is what I've dreamed of and I can't. And so the first few weeks, like then also feeling like I was pretty helpless in terms of my lack of mobility and how um, sore I was. And it was just like a much longer recovery than I had anticipated and been prepared for. And so my last discharge appointment, my question was, can I do a VBAC? Can I deliver vaginally after a cesarean? And it was a very clear, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Your baby was in, was OP. My, so my, my son, Miles, was full OP. And he also was nine pounds, two ounces. Hmm. So he was yeah, a bigger pretty baby. big, bigger baby. And at the point of the C-section, he had descended so far down the birth canal that he was just stuck. And so it was, the message was, you can absolutely do a VBAC and in your next pregnancy, we'll focus on a lot of body work and chiropractic care and massage, some of the things that I was doing before. And the big one was diet. And I hadn't gained a lot of weight in my pregnancy with my son. I definitely was carrying a bigger baby and that showed, but I was like an all belly pregnancy and very active like we're talking hiked 15 kilometers at 38 weeks active and I felt at that point like pretty defeated like okay I I must carry big babies but for my next pregnancy and birth I'm going to do everything within my control to have a VBAC and whatever else is passed over to the higher powers And so I, you know, continued on raising my little boy, really loved being a first time mom. And we were keen to start our, to expand our family. And so we ended up getting pregnant a lot sooner than expected. We got pregnant when my son was about nine months and we just made it in on the cusp of when they would endorse and support a VBAC versus mandate or like strongly recommend a c-section so where i am it's 18 months is the standard and so my babies were exactly 18 months apart so i really really just snuck in there (laughs) nice nice so i'm pregnant with my second and i just started to consume a ton of literature and content all around b-backs If something was recommended to me, I did it without hesitation. I went for chiropractic care, massage very early on. I saw an acupuncturist. I did spinning babies religiously. I hired a doula. 
and I followed her lead and guidance. I used her as a sounding board and I focused on what I could control, which was finding my voice and using it and learning about birth and labor so that I could be undeniably prepared for what was about to happen. I also was really keen to have a home birth, just knowing statistically that home births for VBACs statistically are more successful in terms of, vag- of a vaginal delivery. Unfortunately, my, my midwife team couldn't endorse that. It was just like out of their scope of practice. And so I did have to deliver in a hospital. And I just focused on really getting over those mental hurdles so that when it came time to being in labor, all I would focus on was just my labor and what was happening within my body. So at about 37 weeks, I started to actively try to induce labor. And I wouldn't say like doing anything like drinking a midwife's cocktail, for example. It was more so just focusing on ensuring that my body was prepared for labor. And when my body was ready to go into labor, I was right there with it. And so I started doing acupuncture weekly. I was drinking my red raspberry leaf tea. I was doing my spinning babies, really focusing on inversions and body work for strong baby positioning. My baby was head down, but not engaged in my pelvis yet. And so I was like, I just want to make sure that this babe stays where he or she is supposed to be. At 39 weeks and two, no, sorry, 40 weeks exactly. She's a due date baby. I went into labor. The piece before this is I had started pre-labor at about 38 weeks. So for two weeks, I was in prodromal labor. Am I saying that correctly? Prodromal labor. Thank Mm -hmm. you. And so I was like consistently feeling strong Braxton Hicks and it was like manageable, something that I wasn't even really noticing because I was so busy with a 17, 18 month year old, but it was something like I, I was noticing like the feeling and shift in my body for the four nights leading up to my birth every night from 11 p.m to 5 a.m. I would have consistent contractions and it was this like the feeling of the wave and the build and the release and by 5 a.m. they would just go away. So on a Monday night we had called our doula thinking like I am for sure in labor. My contractions were getting closer together. They were getting stronger and this was definitely feeling more consistent than the previous night. She came over and as soon as she entered our house, everything stopped. And so we're like, man, like we've just been up for hours tracking this. Like (laughs) I like now it's to the point where I was like uncomfortable and couldn't stay in bed. And so we started talking about what I was feeling. And I was like, it just feels like something's tickling my bladder. And she's like, that my friend is a hand. She's like, I think your babe has his or her hand in front of her face and she's like and so that often like a hand in front will stop like will you'll see that like start stop labor pattern because the baby just isn't in a position where you can actively go into labor and so this like this was really the start of feeling so heard being able to talk through what was happening and have a solution provided and also like the validation of you're not going crazy you are feeling something real within your body and it's going to be okay. And so she gave me some exercises and like very strict direction, like do these exercises, rest today and let's see what happens that night. Let's touch base before you go to bed and let's see what happens. So we get my son in bed, we call my doula and she said, okay, here's the plan. You're going to go in the bath. You're going to do this exercise where I like lay on a pillow and kind of let my belly hang and float Um, probably no like on like laying face first in the bath oh in the bath in the bath wow okay get in the bath you're gonna like relax you're gonna lay on your belly and you are gonna like let it just hang my tub was just big enough to do this comfortably (laughs) 
And um, and she's like, and then from there, you're going to go to bed and you're going to try to get as much sleep as possible. And if at 5 a.m. your contractions are still strong and consistent, I'm coming over and we're going to kickstart this labor. Let's do it. Like I felt like we had a plan in place. And so I'm laying in the tub and I'm just like going over my mental mantras. Like you are strong, you are healthy. I, you know, definitely watched my diet in this pregnancy. Not that I was like unhealthy with my son, but I was really strict with the sugar that I consumed and what I put inside my body. I was like, you you know, your body was made to birth this baby. You can do it. And so I just had my mantras that I said over and over. I got ready for bed. I tucked in. My husband and I are lying there and 9.30, I have my first contraction, just like my son. And it feels just like my son. So it's all in my back. Mm -hmm. And I'm instantly like, this is triggering, probably triggering. Yeah, it's happening again. And so I'm turning to my husband and I'm like, you need to call them. You need to call the midwives. You need to call the doula. I need to go to the hospital now. And my husband was just such a calm, strong voice of reason. He's like, Caitlin, we're going to crank up the bath. We're going to crank up the bath to a hot, hot heat and get you in it for some comfort and relief. And I'm going to call the doula. And so we, I get in the bath and I'm sitting facing the long side of the bathtub wall kind of pressing against it with my knees up and we're running the water hot. He's pressing, pressing on my um, pressure points in my low back. He calls the doula and he's like, this is it. She's in labor. It's happening. And she's like, okay, well talk to me about what's happening. And he's like now kind of like frantic, like, no, no, I, I, there's no time for me to tell you what's happening. Like she is in labor. And so he quickly says, she's in the bath. It's as hot as we can get it. I'm pressing on her back. And if you don't come here, we're going to the hospital. Keep in mind, I was pregnant during COVID. So our doula (laughs) couldn't come with us to the hospital. She could only be with us at home. Oh, ma'am. Yeah. Oh, no. So we, she gets to the house and it's now like 10-ish. And she takes over for my husband pressing on my low back and she's like okay you've got this and she's like you're you're doing so great lens she's asking me how I'm feeling she's asking me about the the like sensation and I'm like it's just it's in my back but I do get relief when you're pressing on the pressure points it's just that it's like now in like my back and my hips and like I could just feel like everything moving down and so it's about 11 an hour where I'm now in this like tepid bath water and she said okay Let's get you out and let's make a plan on what we're going to do. We knew I had to transfer to hospital because I didn't feel comfortable birthing um, a baby without medical support in my home. And so we are standing in my living room, slowly getting me dressed. And she transitions to doing these exercises where every contraction, I press up against the wall with loose knees and she lifts my she like lifts my belly up as I kind of lean over her and the whole intention was just ensuring that we're working with my body and my baby to get the baby in the in the best mm. position yeah like an abdominal lift I, I think that's what it's called so don't quote me on that but I'm gonna yeah. guess <laughs> yeah 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 mm-hmm. that's awesome so that's intense too for you super intense like we're in such a good rhythm we're like now like we have a plan for every contraction like I have the rhythm I'm feeling really good she calls the midwives and she's like okay Lindsay is her contractions are two minutes apart consistently a minute long and the midwife was like meet me at the hospital now <laughs> I've been in labor for like an hour and a half and things I knew I knew things were moving quick quick and so we hang up and my doula was like listen we don't we you you are in charge here We'll go to the hospital when you want to go to the hospital. 30 minutes, an hour. We'll get there when we get there. So like, what feels good for you? And again, it's just like that validation of feeling heard, feeling a part of what's happening, feeling like I am steering the ship. And so we decided that my husband was going to pack the car. And in the next like 30-ish minutes to an hour, 
I would be at the hospital. She's like, let's just continue to focus on like this really good rhythm. It's about 11.15. And I look to her and I'm like, I'm in transition. I can, and she's like, okay, like, tell me, tell me what you're feeling. Like, I am shaky. My contractions are back to back. I like am cold and hot at the exact same time. I'm sweating from pores I didn't even know existed. And she's like, yep. So you are definitely in transition and very, very calm. And she's like, okay. So like we should probably- Positive things, positive things. Yeah. She's like, we should probably get you into the car. And just like, so, and it's like, as we're getting down, downstairs, you know, I have that little pause in contractions and she's like, okay. So when you get to the hospital, like reminding me of all the things to ask for, like how many centimeters dilated I am, how, what station I'm at, so on and so forth. And so mm-hmm. I felt, I'm like feeling good about going and we are like kind of waiting. And I said, okay, like let's have one more contraction and then get me in the car and we'll go like straight to the hospital. So like, that's the plan. There's like a little break that I'm enjoying the relief in. All of a sudden I'm like contraction. I get on the wall. They lift. She, she lifts my belly. I'm leaning over her and my husband. And just as she lifts my belly, the baby drops. And I use some very foul language directing everybody to get their hands off of me. <laughs> and my doula drops to the floor. And she just looks up and she's like, are you okay? <laughs> like, I think so. She's oh. like, okay, we are we are we doing this here or are you going to the hospital? I'm like, we need to get to the hospital now. Oh. So she like helps me out to the car, which I'm sure at like 11:30 p.m. was quite the sight for any of my neighbors because she's like kind of behind me, but like also cautiously ready to drop to the ground at any second. And my husband is now like panicked in the car, like honking the horn, like we need to go. <laughs> so I get in the car, quickest ride I've ever had to our hospital. We pull into the labor and delivery room and labor and delivery ward, I should say, do the COVID screen and get in. And so I go in first, but my husband has to stay back and wait. And so I get, I go into the first section of the deliver of the maternity delivery, labor and delivery ward, and they do the my, my midwife does my check and she's like kind of scolding me like you said you'd be here in 30 minutes hour under and like it's been on an hour <laughs> I'm just like calm cool and collected like what how many centimeters am I dilated I'm prepped for like an eight she's like all right so you're 10 centimeters dilated um and the next step is to break your water and push this baby out so she tells me to go to the end of the hall to the labor and delivery room and she's like I'm gonna go get your husband because it is go time. <laughs> and we get into the room and everything stopped. My contractions were like non-existent. Hmm. My energy was different. Like I no longer felt like calm and in the zone. I felt like edgy and amped up a little bit. And I was totally experiencing like flight or, fight or flight. Hmm. And so they're like, okay, like, we get my doula on the iPad. She's FaceTimed in now. And I'm like excited and nervous, but just like my body has now just like totally stopped. And that's where like the doubt starts to creep in. Like, I don't know if I can do this. And all of the like literature about like feeling not comfortable in your space and all of that. I'm like, I just, I just don't know. Like I'm, I'm, I've like out of my zone, out of my labor zone. So they break my water and I'm like, feel all the pressure of the baby being down. And I just keep asking like, so like, when do I start pushing? And like, there's not really any contractions. And so this is a very different feeling now. And they're like, oh, you'll feel it. Like your next contractions, if you feel the urge to push, you can absolutely bear down. And so about an hour and a half into being at the hospital, I finally start having consistent contractions again. Because I'm a VBAC, I have consistent fetal monitoring and the baby's not in distress and my heart rate is great. And so we just like carry on and my contractions now are existent, but just non-effective. And so every fourth contraction, 
between my midwives and my doula were getting me into like a different position to try to like get this baby. And like within the first push, they're like, the baby is right there. And I just what like wasn't able to to push. And so like I am pushing and they're like, my midwife is directing me. And so now she's like inside me, like pressing down, like push here. And she's like, you're pushing really effectively. And so it becomes a little bit of this puzzle. I'm fully dilated. My waters aren't broken. I do have contractions, but I'm not. And like, we're trying different positions, but this baby is just not coming. And so it's about two hours in, I'm getting pretty tired because it's the middle of the night and feeling super defeated and like the same um, narrative of you can't do this is echoed by a member of the care team. And at this point, I'm like, cut this baby out of me. Like it is going to need some medical intervention for this baby to arrive or side. I cannot do this anymore. And total doubt, total doubt, despite being very prepared and having such a strong voice. My husband was like, Linz, you can do this. You have worked so hard for this. He's like, I can see, I can literally see the baby. Like, you've got this. It's okay. You can do this. And then there was a student midwife and then a very new to the, um, very new midwife. I think she had graduated like a year or six months prior. And they were like incredibly encouraging. They're like, Lindsay, we're working with you. You've got this. You've got this. Every contraction cheering me on. It like so the energy was so positive, but it was just like a combination of myself and another provider that lacked competence that really took the steam out of out of the labor. And so now it's like four o'clock in the morning, four hours into pushing. And they say like, we're going to bring an OB consult. And I'm like pretty distraught at this point. Like I have no medication. I'm really leaned into like, I'm going to do this naturally one way or another. <laughs> My husband is advocating for me and like such a good support, support system. I have two like relatively junior midwives who are like, you are doing this. And we decide, like, despite all that, we're going to call in an OB consult. And so by chance, it was one of my most favorite OBGYNs on shift that night, on call that night. And she was there to do another emergency C-section. And so she walked in and she's like, we go over the chart and she's like, man, like she had done my consult for if I was a VBAC candidate. And so she's like, Lynn's like, you can do this. I, and she's like, you're so close. She said, here's the thing. I have another emergency C-section. You are not in distress. Your baby is not in distress. You're both doing well. So while I do this other C-section, your job is to lay on your side with the peanut ball, knees together for like the 30 to 45 minutes it takes me to do my other C-section. I'll come back. And if you are not, like, if you're not progressing and you're still struggling to push out this baby, then we'll do a C-section. And so I felt like at that point, I'm like, if it goes to C-section, I'm okay with that. I feel like I've really done everything in my power and like pushing for that long was physically exhausting and not rewarding. And so I'm like, that's cool. Like, I'll lay on my side on the peanut ball as uncomfortable as it is. I'll bear down and like this, it's going to be what it's going to be. And so she leaves the room. I'm on my side. And uh, the she had said, because my midwife had kept checking and they're like, the baby's not OP. It just keeps rotating from left to right. So it was like my body, I just wasn't working in the right position to have the baby like tuck under and out of my, under my pubic bone and out. And so she, when the the OBGYN checked me, she's like, absolutely. This baby just keeps rotating right to left. And so we just need to get it in like the best birthing position, which let's have you lay on the side, like last ditch effort. She walks out and comes back in 
45 minutes later and she's like, oh my God, we're about to have this baby. Like right now you're, we're about to have this baby. And she's in full scrubs and walks back out of the, out of the delivery room. At this point, I'm like, where is she going? Like, I need her in here. And you're like, wait, I thought you said I'm going to have this baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, am I doing this? So like what's happening here? So my midwives laugh and they're like, no, no, she just has to release the, the OR team because everyone's on standby to see if they're doing a section on me. And so mm. she walks in like 30 seconds later and about four pushes and um, my sweet little baby girl was born. No, that that is quite, I mean, gosh, that is quite the journey, like, during the pushing stage, you know, like, a lot of people would have totally been told, like, you have no option. Like, this is, you're going to a C-section after just even a couple hours of pushing. And then they kept giving you more time. And it's just, I just think it's awesome. I think it's really awesome that you guys had those providers in there to advocate for you. But I wanted to talk a little bit about that doubt, you know, that you've talked about was creeping in and it doesn't always just creep in in the end or, I mean, it can creep in all the, in all periods of labor and even before labor begins. But I think it's awesome that you had your team there. I mean, I mean, your husband's obviously amazing and was like, you've worked so hard for this. Like you can do this. And and built you up, but you know, what would you, what would you give? What's a little piece of advice that you would give to our listeners? Because I think that is something that happens all the time. And it happened for me. I mean, I think everyone who has heard my story, I think I shared it. Like I was throwing the fit in the driveway because my water broke. And so I triggered, I'm like, no, it's not going to happen. And I just had this like total doubt. And like, what would you say really, really helped you? Would you say it was your team? What would you do or what did you do, you know, physically and mentally to just be like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, snap back into it. It's like, you know, water splashed in your face. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a combination of having the toolbox, like, and building my own toolbox. So doing the reading, listening to like the VBAC link was on every morning and every night. I consumed podcasts and good news stories like they were liquid gold. And Mm. I read the books. If someone made a suggestion, like I did it blindly. And so I felt like toolbox of confidence and support was built. And that was me. That wasn't anyone else. That was me wanting to know, wanting to be educated and wanting to feel empowered and confident going into labor. And then that married with building the team that I knew would support me so that when I had a question in labor. When something came up, I was able to not only lean into my toolbox, but also look to my support team and know that they had my back. And even when, like to your point, when that doubt crept in, like it didn't creep in on its own. There was Mm -hmm. a voice in the room, an external Mm -hmm. voice in the room that supported that. And it was the moment of my husband saying like, you can do this. That I was like, oh my, yeah, he's right. I can do this. And also- I don't have to listen to her and I can listen to like everyone else in the room that is validating, supporting me and believes in me. Mm -hmm. And so that was like my two prong approach to building up my confidence and empowerment. And like, if something doesn't feel right, just continue to ask and lean into that until it, it feels like you've been heard and it feels like you understand what's happening. Yes. I love that. Such great tips. Because it, it does, it really does happen. And, and yeah, like you said, it didn't just happen. Like there was, it was placed there and then it got worse. <laughs> so, oh, I love that so, so much. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I, I loved it. And I'm so proud of you. And I'm so happy that you were able to have your doula there for a little while and, and all of that. I'm these COVID births, man, they're all so interesting to hear how they went down. But we're so grateful that you had your team. And Julie, is there anything you want to add or anything? Nope. I think that sounds great. You're, it's a great story. I love all the preparation that you did. I was kind of like that too. Like with my first VBAC, I just did everything. Like if somebody told me about a resource, I soaked it all up. I went to all of the 
birthing groups. I went to, I soaked up all the stories, just all of it. I absolutely love that. I think it's so important. Mm-hmm. And I found that like, for me, my close network of moms that had had C-sections either hadn't had a VBAC yet, weren't interested in doing a VBAC or had just gone straight to like a repeat section. So I felt like my personal network was really limited in terms of the resources and questions that I could ask and lean on. And so I just turned to online communities, like where, so the VBAC thing being such a good example, like if I don't have someone to ask, where can I find that information from other real live humans, not necessarily just like a a book, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, but that's, so that's kind of like where I landed. And it's so funny because I left, I I, like, I left the hospital fairly quickly. So I gave birth at 613 and I was home by two. And so it was partially due to COVID and partially due to the natural delivery. Like let's get her back home and comfortable. And like I, that night my doula came over to like check in and see how we were doing and meet our little baby. And the first thing I said was like, I can't wait to do it again. Like, you know, our family isn't complete yet. And yeah, I can't wait to do it again. And so July 31st, we're doing it again. Oh, this year? Yeah, this year. Oh my God. Yay. Awesome. (laughs) Oh, congratulations. That's so awesome. So, so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, and like very similar approach, you know, I went in and um, went with the midwife team that that supports me that I felt heard by and that I feel like the most comfortable with in, in our um, monthly appointments. Mm -hmm. I reached out to my doula right away and she typically doesn't take summer clients, but I snuck in there, which was awesome. And yeah, we're just like doing everything again. We can, like we have the confidence of, of success, of course, in our back pocket, but it's the same approach, like control what you can control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. And we really, really do appreciate you. Thank you. Interested in sharing your VBAC story on the podcast? Submit your story at the vbacklink.com slash share. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.